1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. Apologize for yesterday. Had some pretty major computer issues that, uh, basically, I just didn't have a computer yesterday. Long story short, so, um, glad to say we're back up and running. That's always good. Also, I missed you. You don't turn my calls anymore, so I just wanted to say I miss you. <laughs> oh, you ever been that guy? Don't be that guy. Don't be me. I was never that guy. I'm just saying, don't do not do what I'm doing right now. All right, so what's on the docket today? We should probably start with the locker room interviews. I had mentioned the last time we did a podcast, which feels like a week ago, it was two days ago, that I wanted to cover that, and so I do want to cover that. Why don't we start? Don't mind the uh, tornado siren in the background if you can hear it. Why don't we start with uh, some comments from Kenny Clark? Um,
0: I mean, this is the definitely the, the hardest camp that we didn't had in, uh, in prior years, and um, you know we we played in, we played in the preseason, so I think you know a lot of us got those jitters out, you know, in the, pre, in, the in the preseason. Um, I think we a lot of, in a lot better shape and uh so you know we'll see you know how that translates to to this sunday
1: got to get that volume terms a C- couple things i got to work out with the computer still we'll get the volume up here in a little bit but um so the 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 only real interesting thing in that cuz there's a lot of generalities you know yeah everybody's looking trim everybody's looking good yeah we know that's that's every year new energy all that stuff but when he specifically says more so than usual and in this case talking about how difficult the camp has been that's when my ears perk up. Here's what he had to say um when asked to elaborate on that. Hopefully this is nice and loud.
0: Hardest camp you've had a couple years. Uh it's just different,
1: man. More physical. Um Turn down a little bit. More, you know, it was
0: just it was just it was a hard camp. You know, schedule wise. Um, you know, coach put a lot more on us
1: this, this year. This has been All right, so I, I kinda my my first thought, and and this kind of goes with the whole like, you know. They would never do like up-downs in camp if Rodgers was there. And you'd say, well, I think they were doing it with the Jets, too. Yeah, but that Rodgers is a new man over there. I'm just saying he had a lot of um, a lot of pull and a lot of say in terms of, I'm not doing that. And, and you don't want to say, let's do it, and then have your quarterback say, no, I'm not doing it, and standing over to the side with his arms folded because that's just a bad precedent to set. Either way, though, even if we remove the Rodgers equation, I think there's a couple other things I played. Number one, very obviously, is you could just easily say Matt LaFleur is tired of getting the crap kicked out of him week one, realizes finally, you know, coincidentally this year, he finally realized that we need to step it up, put a little bit more on these guys, risk the injury, which by the way, how massive is that? I understand there's a couple guys I got a couple tweaks we gotta keep an eye on. But that's a big freaking deal for a coach to roll the dice and say, we're going to be more physical. We're going to have more joint practices. We're going to have more starters playing in preseason games. We're going to have longer practices, more intense practices, and to push your team to that limit and come out without major injuries because they very easily could have been. That's the reason you don't do that is the risk of major injuries. We came out the other side without those. Now we'll see what happens as far as if anybody doesn't play or injuries that come up or whatever the case may be. We saw frickin' Kelsey, my tight end in fantasy football, hurt his knee. Fingers crossed he's able to play, but that was just some random thing. He just landed wrong, hyperextended his knee, and, you know, stuff can happen. But the point is we made it through, and that's awesome. But I think maybe another thing that goes into that calculation is how young the team is. So there's a couple things, right? It's I think the coaches even realize there's a new regime, being, I guess in this case, the coaches, and they can kind of set the tone differently than what the tone was. And the tone now is, we're, we're going to be doing this extra stuff. And I like that. We'll see if it pays off week one. I don't know. I do want to talk a little bit about that, um, if we have an opportunity, uh, to elaborate on what I had mentioned before in terms of the Packers are the worst team in the last five years. But I think that does play into it. I, I think having young guys that you feel can handle a little bit more of a beating, in other words, I can put them through the ringer now and expect that in December they're still able to play, right? Bakhtiari, maybe not. Kenny, maybe he's going to start to slow down a little bit. But these 23, 24-year-old guys, yeah, I expect them to be able to rejuvenate and get back into it and be able to play. They're going to be tired. They're going to be beat up, but they can handle it. So it was kind of cool to hear Kenny say that we've we we just we've never done this stuff before in terms of it being this intense. Next, he was asked about the Chicago Bears, and, and this is just kind of an insight into what their focus is and what he's he's hearing. You know, um, Some of it might be reading the tea leaves. How, how much is him just saying whatever just to say whatever but um he was asked about the bears said that they're a run first team and and does that change the way you play as a defensive front what's
0: the emphasis going to be for you guys this week yeah that's number one key man uh you know you know uh they're a run first team um you know whether it's uh justin Fields running the ball or uh or 24 running the ball <clears throat> it's is that they're a run first team um you know you got a good office line guys that
1: um that, you know, that, that, that's, that's that's really good run blockers, um, you know. Very well said. They are very, very good run blockers. Just emphasize, <laughs> they're good run blockers. Mercedes came,
0: uh, is, is there now? He's he's a really good blocker, you know, for them. So um, we're gonna have our hands full in the run game, and I'll, that's gonna be the, the number one priority. Is, is for sure stopping the runs, stopping.
1: So, and again, I don't think he's lying. I, I think he's kind of given us a little peek into what he's being told by Joe Barry and the rest of the guys, right? If, if you want to stop the Bears, despite the fact that this isn't how the NFL has really played anymore, their emphasis is going to be stop the run. Because that—that that is what they do. As I've said before, they were the number one rushing team, the number 32 passing team. You got to nip that in the bud, man. You're not going to sit here and run all over us. And if that's not your emphasis... Um if you're going to sit back and say hey if you want to win you got to pass, which there's some validity to that, but I think the Packers have to force them to do so. We've seen situations where teams say I'm just going to run until you can stop me. We we got beat by the 49ers in the playoffs with that strategy because we couldn't stop them. You know, New England and Buffalo. That was more out of necessity because of the weather, but it's like we're just not going to pass. You know, we'll, we'll readjust if we need to, you know, with if if you're able to stop our running, but they couldn't. So they just ran. They they threw like no passes in that game and one if i'm remembering that right it might have been reverse teams i don't know skipping a couple more uh general comments i would encourage you to go listen to it there's some just just fun stuff you know good stuff that you like to hear and that would probably include this. It's not really massive, but I, I can't skip it. You got Kenny Clark talking about the young guys who we're really going to depend on a lot. Here's what he had to say: from your position group.
0: Yeah, it's been good. Um, you know, all those guys been been coming in, you know, ready to work every single day, being intentional about the work, um, coming in with a purpose, and uh, you know, that, that's all you can ask for. You know, they, you know, they they, play, they playing fast, uh, and we put in a lot on them. You know, his, his rookies uh, with KB and Kobe, and with DY and TJ, you know they got they got some snaps under their belt, um, but they are still young. But uh, you know, we put in a lot on their plate.
1: so they they doing a really good job, really good job. So I mean, he he sounds, especially at the end. You know, all of it was kind of like yeah, it's just it's stuff. You know, they're 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 being intentional. I mean, it all sounds like political speak, but at the end, when his like his eyes get big and he's like, no, they're doing a really good job. I, it feels real now. Again, he doesn't know. I would love to get into his mind to see, like you know, what his projection is of how good they're going to be, because he'd have a good view of that. Same with the the coaches and and whatnot, um, because they, they they just have seen better. But they don't know how good they're going to be. Even the the defensive linemen themselves don't know how good they're going to be. But I do like the fact that Kenny is is saying in a way, and this is just my opinion, you can freely disagree again, go watch it. You can hear it in his voice. I'll play it again in a second. The, the uptick in, in, in his voice, and again, go watch it and look at the expression on his face. He means it when he says they're doing a really good job. Now, how much does that get us to them actually performing? I don't know. I, I am somewhat skeptical. I don't want to be. I'm just nervous about the fact that, you know, with Brooks, we saw it, but, you know, Wyatt, it was all training camp. The dude just was a ghost in the preseason, like horrific grades and everything else scares me. And Wooden, I thought looked good, but PFF was like, no, nah, he really wasn't that good. So that makes me a little bit nervous. And it's like, if, if and, and you know, and, and TJ is a, a good football player. I like TJ. I think he has a limited ceiling, but Slayton is a, he seems solid. He almost kind of reminds me of Kenny in a way. Kenny's a disappointment because he doesn't, reach that potential that we want him to, and maybe putting some studs next to him will help him get there. And guys on the outside to draw some attention. You know, I'm sure Rashawn Gary is not going to hurt Kenny's ability to generate pressures and do his job. But no, I think I think Slayton sets a solid, he has a solid floor. I mean, he, he kind of, to me, is, is similar to what, uh, what would you say, maybe Preston? Maybe that's a little unfair to Preston, but Preston last year, who was pretty mid- He's fine. You feel comfortable with him being out there, but it it still makes you a little bit nervous to say, you know, if the only guy that really showed anything was a rookie mid round pick who had a couple f- splash plays, I'm pretty nervous. But again, I mean, it, it's still a better situation than what the Bears got. They they've got a terrible defensive line group. I would take ours ten times out of ten. And again, they've got a ton of help on the outside. And and Kenny is if if for nothing else, I mean, you know, he he has got that veteran knowledge and th- and that's really what you covet with a guy like kenny whether he's physically able to execute is is one question and, and again there's a lot of film guys that like him not everybody but there's a lot of film guys that will insist no he's a good football player right it's like, okay well i don't i don't know i don't know how to reconcile that with the information that i have but the good thing is he knows what his responsibility is he knows exactly what he's supposed to do and i i really feel like if we allow him to do what he knows he needs to do he can be a good football player. It's not a question of not knowing what to do. He knows what to do. And he'll hopefully he can help these other guys come along as well. But let me just play that uh one more time, see if I can catch it here.
0: And with DY and TJ, you know, they got they got some snaps under their belt. Um but they still young, but uh you know, we put in a lot on their plate. So they, they doing a really good job. Really good job excited decided to get get out there with them on Sunday, um and you know, play ball with them.
1: So again, it's 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 not too far beneath these guys to just be polite you know I don't think he's being polite but I also don't think he knows you know I I, exactly what that even means they're doing a good job in terms of putting in the work putting that out on the field right and we got a good offensive line I mean there's some issues there but to be able to kind of push our guys around push some other guys around you know the Bears offensive line is not the greatest offensive line in the world again good run blockers not great pass blocker. So if you can do it in the preseason, if you can do it against R, even number twos or whatever, you should be able to get some work done. So uh, there was an Anders Carlson interview. I, you know, you can't expect too many gems from from a kicker, but uh, I do want to highlight this. He was asked the question, "What does it mean to you to to have an organization that says that they're willing to be patient with you?" It's one of those questions that you know the answer to. Anybody could answer that question, but it's still. It's still good to hear from them
0: it's it's huge yeah I think just is a lot of support from from everyone around here uh, is huge and I think uh, it means a lot and in the same way we're gonna support you know someone when they have a, a worse game or a better game uh, it's just one team and we're one heartbeat so uh, good or bad we believe in each other
1: so that, that I mean it's, it's an awesome response ending it with good or bad we believe in each other it, it sounds cliche but when was the last time you heard any Packers players say a statement like that? I mean, th- this is the kind of cheesy college football stuff that you hear. You know, like, what's going on in Colorado? Like, it's, 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 it's this fake rah-rah stuff, but guys buy in and they believe it. How much of this mantra has been going on behind the scenes that we haven't really heard? And again, I mean, th- this, is, this is stuff that's generally implied. Like, we support each other no matter what. Kind of like if, you, if somebody were to ask Aaron Rodgers that two years ago, he'd say, of course. But there's a difference between something that's just implied and something that's acted out right you can ignore your wife and you know for years and just not really have any kind of interaction or or whatever and and say well you know and if you ask do you love your wife well of course i do that's very different than you got a wadahoo? you got me a present what is it oh tums thank you so much oh you're the best thank you i have to do podcast now okay bye love you Special delivery of Tums. Anyways, it's a different thing to, to again, just, just say it, to, to exercise it, to remind each other, to to try to build that. And it was good that he didn't just answer, yeah, I'm glad that the organization believes in me. I'm glad that Brian Gutekunst says he's willing to be patient because I need it. It was, no, everybody's got my back. I'm glad to be here because Gutekunst isn't going to quit on me. Matt LaFleur isn't gonna quit on me, Pisace is not gonna quit on me, Rashawn is not gonna quit on me, right? Everybody's got my back, and I got their back too. I and mean, for all I know, everybody else in the locker room rolled their eyes when they heard that. But it again, it just it 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 is not something that I'm really remember hearing very often in a Packers locker room. We got each other's back, and we're gonna support each other no matter what. And the cool thing is he can say that with confidence, not just because the guys in the locker room have demonstrated that to him and that's cool, but we've already talked about it. The Packers are like the only organization that sticks with a kicker through a rough patch, which is kind of a crazy thing. But with everybody else, like we're, we're going to try. Okay, that was bad. Try again. Okay, that sucked. we got to figure something out. All right, you're gone. And then they go through this whole thing, and the Packers just are different. I mean, we, we went through Mason with multiple just – Bad patches, and he pulled through, and and I think that I think that that's part of it. I think it, you know it might even be harder for a guy like Mason to pull through something like that if the team that drafted you and has been with you this whole time quits on you. That's got to get up in your head. But for for the team to just look at Mason and be like, "You'll be all right, dude. Just take your time. We got you. You've helped us through a ton of stuff. We're gonna stick by you. You got this." And he pulls through, and it's like, "Yeah, we got your back." And it's the same with Carlson. We drafted him, and everybody, you know. Even myself included, to some degree, even though I I, I knew we weren't going to do it, it's, it's a question of at what point do you do it? It's all the conversation. Half the fan base wants him gone. The other half realizes he's probably not going to be gone, but is not happy with it. But all the outside noise is very different than the inside noise, which is, don't friggin' worry about it. You're going to be fine. You're going to be here for 20 years. We're excited about you. We just got to tweak a few things. It's all good. And and that's echo, echoed by everybody else in the locker room, which is great. Now, maybe it's all fluffy, duffy nonsense, and he's going to be a complete garbage kicker, and he's going to get cut in a year. But it's, it's it's still the fact that this is the right attitude to have, and I'm glad that the locker room seems to have it right now. And again, that's one of the things I said that's a benefit about having young guys. Older guys are not able to be um, put under the spell of the rah-rah. You know, college kids do. They They get all hyped up about, you know, great speeches and everything else. Guys like Rodgers and Bakhtiari and whatnot, it's like, dude, I, it's freaking lame. It's just, it's just part of being an old man. You know, you hear stuff and it's like, I've heard a lot of stuff in my life. You know, I've been through, I've been through so many coaches, so many speeches, so many different coordinators and so many different promises. Like, I'm just, it just, I, I know what the deal is. I'm good at my job. That's why I'm playing into my 30s. I'm going to show up. I'm going to listen to your stupid speech. I'm going to pretend to care and I'm going to show up and do my job. Right, I know it works for me. I'm going to do my routine. I'm going to do my workouts. I'm going to do my preparation. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to execute. And I'm just going to expect everyone else to do their job and for them to execute too. And it's just frustrating if they don't. It's just the way it goes, man. But you know, again, it's there are negatives to being young, and there are positives. And I think this is one of the positives: having an entire team. You know, out we heard about that where Carlson was out there kicking, and the whole team was out there, and they're giving him a hard time. They're screaming and they're you know doing all kinds of stuff trying to get him to miss. But what happens when he drains it? Dude, they mob the guy. This is the kind of stuff that happens on a young team. So yeah, there's going to be hiccups and there's going to be problems and there's going to be stuff that suck and there's going to be a lot of mistakes that you look at and go, Rogers would never have made that mistake. But you ride the waves, man. You ride the lows. You ride the highs. And I, I don't know. I was just glad to hear him say that. Another question again. It's just, it's just kind of fun. But he was asked, you know, how much do you know about the Bears-Packers rivalry and how much, uh, how cool is it that your first game is this most historic uh, NFL rivalry. rivalry of all
0: time. I don't know that much. I know my neighbor has a shirt that, uh, basically just kind of bad mouths the bears and that's all he cares about. So, uh, this game's is going to go to him, I guess, but I didn't know, you know I was his I, neighbor. I know just how much the fans care about it and how important it is. It's, it's similar to the iron bowl almost, I would say, uh, from what I've heard and, and just how important
1: that rivalry is. So, I mean, it, it, it's just kind of a cool thing you know, on on one hand, you could take the approach of you should know and all this stuff, and it's embarrassing that you don't. I still remember the one time we had a young guy come in, and um, I don't know if he was an undrafted free agent. For all I know, it could have been a, a first round pick that was here for a long time. But the guy came in, and they were they were talking about the the legacy of the team. They were talking about all the greatness of the franchise, and they kept talking about Lambo, Lambo Field, Lambo. This Lambo, 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 and he was so confused why they keep talking about Lamborghinis. Like they keep talking about Lambo's, man. What, what what's going on with Lambo's? But no it's it's cool man because it's you you're kind of adopting these people into the family. And and it's cool too because they he doesn't get it, but assuming he's going to be here, he's going to understand it. He's going to go out there at, in in Soldier Field and he's going to hear a crowd. I mean, I know college crowds are crazy, but as far as NFL stadiums go, the energy in that stadium, like I said, this, this is this is a playoff. It feels like a playoff game to Packer fans. It's feeling like that to me. This this is I haven't been this amped up for a football game I can't even tell you. I don't even think the last playoff games that was necessary. Maybe I'm just misremembering. But I I think it just got to the point where you you don't feel hopeful necessarily. I mean, 2020, yes. Maybe maybe that was like the last time. 2020, I was unbelievably amped up. But I think 2021, it just kind of was, I don't know. It was more just trying to convince yourself you should be amped up because everything's going to be just fine. We're better than them, we're at home, Like it's going to be great, and it was a friggin' disaster. And then when you watched it happen, it was like, you knew that this was going to happen, you idiot. But no, that that stadium, especially for Chicago Bears fans, as much as we're amped up, I, I don't think we can match their intensity. I mean, the, the the amount of hype that they have to be able to play the Packers without Aaron Rodgers, to beat this team, The can you imagine the hatred? I, I have grown to despise this team since Justin Fields was drafted, and it's not because of Fields. He actually seems like a good dude. It's because of the insanity of the fan base. But my whole thing, like, my disdain for the team is, like, they're just irrational dummies. Like, they just keep saying stupid stuff. and It annoys me. I can't imagine 30 years of this team just stomping the crap out of you. Can you imagine? And the answer is no, you can't imagine. I can't imagine. Nobody can fathom. Your entire life, if you're my age, it's your entire life, you have almost never beat the Packers. This team has been better than you, and now you genuinely believe, I think incorrectly so, but we'll find out, you genuinely at the bottom of your heart believe you have an elite quarterback that's about to break out, and the Packers are this shell of a team that is about to be exposed, and you're going to expose them, and you're going to win the... like. Just the euphoria of this and just how much you want this to be a thing. I don't know, but but it's going to be intense. I'm, I'm going to struggle. I don't know if I'm going to sleep the night before. I, I'm guessing I will because as I'm getting older, I'm doing a good job of just passing out. <laughs> I'm getting real good at that. It's funny because it, it's like, I don't know if this is not like an old guy thing. It like creeps up on you. It used to be like either you're just dead tired and you go in and you pass out. Or you're kind of awake. It's like, oh, crap. I'll be awake and me and my wife are watching some stupid show. And the next thing I know, I'm like snapping awake. like, What happened? What are we What are we watching here? We... It's Like, I wasn't even tired. How did I just black out out of nowhere? It's freaking crazy. I'm not complaining. I, I hate not being able to fall asleep, but it's just weird. Maybe I have a tumor. <laughs> I don't know. What are we talking about? Oh, just the, the rivalry. I mean, he, he's going to be baptized in this. And, and a lot of guys, we got a lot of young guys. And even guys like Watson and Reed, like they're Watson and Dobbs, they're just starting to understand it. But you got Reed, you got Musgrave, you got Zach Tom. I mean, these guys, they didn't grow up here. Well, Reed and who's the other one? Reed did, but he was a Bears fan. So he understands. And I hope he takes it out on them. I hope he does. Some people are that way, man. They're like, I'm, I'm going home. I'm going to freaking. Apparently, he went back to Chicago one time was working out and i think like some young guy gave him the finger or something he must have been wearing a packers shirt cuz i doubt they just recognized him i don't know if i would even recognize jaden reed if i saw him in a store anyway i don't know man it's all, it's all just exciting i'm just excited i'm ready i'm ready for our team to learn to hate the bears and the vikings and the lions it's just all part of being baptized in the family man you know they don't get it but they're going to get it and they're the ones that are going to be out in the front lines and i just freaking love it i'm so excited i love this team we'll see who's going to be here for the long haul and who's not but i'm just i'm jacked up man Anyways, that's the end of uh, Anders, Anders, and I think it's Anders, I don't know. I want to say Anders, it just feels right. Why don't we take a quick break? I do have some freaking awesome news for you, by the way. I talked to our very good friends over at Old Southern Barbecue. I asked if there was something we could do to help out the listeners a little bit. It's already dirt cheap, I told you. It's like five bucks for the seasoning, I think it's six bucks for the barbecue sauces. So, I mean, it's, it's stupid cheap. But sometimes you want to bundle it, and, you know, it's, it's like, like I said, for the the massive bundle, which is sauce, sauces, all the sauces, all the seasonings, and you get a T-shirt, which I didn't even really realize. It's pictured in there, but I just got an email now like, hey, what size do you want? I was like, oh, my bad. And I said, like, a, a large because I'm ripped, and I'm lying. Anyways, OldSouthernBBQ.com. Go check out their stuff, the rubs, the sauces, any of the merch that you want. Use promo code Packernet15. Now, they have the P and the N capitalized. I don't know if you need to do that, but just do it anyways. Packernet15, capital P, capital N, 1-5. You're going to get 15% off your order. Again, already unbelievably cheap. You're going to knock off 15% on top of that just because you listen to this show and you're awesome for doing that. So, again, please check out OldSouthernBBQ.com. I am 100 billion percent on my children's lives telling you the truth when I'm telling you. This is some of my favorite barbecue sauces and, and some of my favorite rubs. I haven't tried all of them, although I, did, I got the big box coming. I'm dead serious when I tell you that. So please, if you're into barbecue or just want some barbecue sauce, because why wouldn't you? Please check it out. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. about seeing what you could potentially get right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arena club.com slash pack Wow. That's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arena club.com slash pack for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your rider die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Alright, so we, we also have Razul Douglas. Not not a ton that I felt needed to be uh touched on. It's kind of funny. He's he's got a weird way about him. Like he's I don't know how to describe it. it it's almost like he's being confrontational in a very polite way. To where like you, you can't you can't like catch him on it or call him on it because he's being very polite and he's being very engaged like he's he's engaging with people but it it just it seems like somebody who's really intelligent and is using that intelligence to make you look sound and feel stupid while being as unbelievably polite as he possibly can. It's kind of funny seeing him operate. Maybe maybe I'm wrong and that's just kind of how it comes off to me, but it it's anyways, he was asked some some questions and you know ba- basically he doesn't know how they're going to Take care of Fields. He did uh, talk about Fields, said he's a good quarterback, said DJ Moore's a good wide receiver. Pretty generic stuff. I wouldn't really expect anything different. But then we got to this line. What will it be like going up against
0: Mercedes and, and Tunyon? Man, some good work. I'm going to try to hit Mercedes after the play.
1: I seriously laughed out loud after that. I busted out laughing when I heard him say that. <laughs> What's it going to be like going up against Tunyon and Mercedes? Man, that's tough. I'm going to hit Mercedes after the play. <laughs> oh, I like Razul, man. I like it because he he does have that confidence to him. You know, I mean, I think the DB group in general kind of does. Keyshawn's the more fun, you know, the young, fun guy. Like, put me in on offense, I can do it. Jair is just, he's he's just built with 100% swag. Like, it's just, it's on him all the time. It's the way he dresses, the way he walks, the way he talks, it's the way he answers questions. Everything's about, like, looking cool when I do it but Razul is, is a little bit more of, like, I'm really good, and these corners are really good, and we're going to punch you right in your mouth. Like, I'm just, th- just no fear. We're better than you, period. So it's it's a cool trio that we got there. Again, I'm, I'm not the biggest Keyshawn at corner fan, but I do like it. I like the swag of the group. I like the the demeanor. They're, all three of them are very different, and I can I can see when they say, like, is like a pretty cool guy. Like, he's really chill, but he talks so much trash on the field. I can see it, because there's a little bit when he's doing these interviews, you can tell he's just got an edge to him, man. And I think he's, he's good at putting a cap on that when he's not playing football. And then when he plays football, he just takes that off. And all the stuff that he wanted to say to all those other people, the reporters and the fans and everything that he's been suppressing, he unloads it <laughs> on opposing quarterbacks <laughs> and wide receivers. So then another question was asked of him, kind of similar to what was asked of Kenny, but it's like, you know, you guys have a bad track record, record essentially with week one. Is there a sense of urgency that we need to come out and start fast?
0: Yeah, we do. I think that's why we play every preseason game. Coach made us play every preseason game. I think because of the fact that we come week one and we haven't played preseason, then we kind of get blown out. So I think that was his message to us this year, was uh, just get us some reps. I know we played a series versus Cincy, Uh... A series versus uh, New England, and we played a few series versus uh, Seattle. So he wanted us to just get out, find our rhythm out there, and not to feel fresh when we actually get out there. It's like we haven't been against nobody but our team.
1: And you know, I mean, again, he he mentioned it, and maybe he hadn't even thought about it before, but he mentioned it as he felt it was a message to the team from Matt Lafleur, like no excuses. You guys, you know, we we've tried this thing where. We rest the starters because you can handle it. That was always the story with Rodgers. He doesn't need it. And so Rodgers didn't play and Bakhtiari didn't play and Jair didn't play and Rashan and Zadarius or Preston or whoever. They they wouldn't or would rarely play. You know, these guys would sit out because, you know, Devonte Devontae wouldn't play because they can handle it. Well, no, they couldn't. Now, granted, week two, big bounce back week. They'll be all right. But that's the thing. that It seems like they just need that one. So if you give them that in the preseason, we'll, we'll see but i mean it, it just it had to have become clear and I, and listen i switched sides on this i think last year i was in the they don't need it camp it's nonsense it's silliness and then last year we got blown out again and i, I just I, I just got to the point where it's like you know you you, you kind of just can't really deny how bad this is and even if it's not just the work like you know it's not like rogers forgot how to play football or anybody else for that matter i i genuinely wonder if it was a culture thing just having a team where it where we hide rather than Facing adversity and taking the risk. You know, it, it's like sometimes when you go for it on fourth down, it, it's about instilling confidence in your team and showing your team that you believe in them. Instead, we've been hiding and preserving, protecting like a little hiding in our shell. Don't play the preseason. Don't do this. Don't do that. Hiding people from practice and light practices. Only, you know, we, we there's a two hour limit. Well, we practice for 90 or for 45 minutes. Like, what the heck is that? Well, guys are, you know, we got our GPS systems and guys are getting tired whatever that stupid thing's called. You know, at at what point do you instill in your guys that we're going to play and we're going to practice and we're going to prepare as though we are a championship team and not some team that's freaking coasting? Well, you might get injured. Yeah, that's how football works. I think sometimes it is about sending a message as much as it is about the reps. It's about defining who you are as a team. It's also about getting confidence in these guys. You know, he's talked about getting the jitters out. Well, the jitters are going to be times 10 if he didn't even play in the preseason. Anyways, that's it for that. I do want to play this for you. Um, it's it's kind of obnoxious with the noise in the background, but it's just a video of Packers teammates praising Jordan Love. And it, I think it's cool that the Packers have done this. There's been a lot of talk about the Packers social media team kind of stepping it up a little bit. This is a cool thing. Uh, just, just asking guys, tell me about Jordan. So here that is. Just uh, It's less than a minute long.
0: Tremendous player, a guy that come in and work his ass off every single day. He has some intangibles that people flock to, somebody that guys follow when he gives a direction. He's a guy who brings people together, brings guys together. Everybody around him, who makes sure they're okay before he checks on himself. He's a competitor. If he make a play, he's going to talk. Like he's going to let it be known that he made a play. The talent clearly is there. No one really wants to be a backup, so. got a shot i'm excited to see what he does with it and i can't wait to help him in any way i can he can make every single throw super confident i'll go to war with him any day like man i got so much respect for him the more he plays the better he'll get but
1: he's ready jeez that gave me chills man those are intense chills that was um devondre campbell saying i'd go to war with him any day man and again, maybe this stuff was under, like if, if the Packers had done this for Rodgers a couple years ago, yeah, I'm sure you'd hear stuff. like But I mean, that's real, real stuff. These guys love Jordan. They're excited and they're ready to rally around him. That gets me so pumped up, man. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, we, we've seen it already. People take shots at Jordan and what happens? Guys go flying over there to get into a fight. I think it was, it might have been, who was it, Elton? There was like Yash Nyman or something. I can't remember who it was. But that, that play where he slid and somebody jumped on him, somebody was pissed. They love this guy, man, genuinely. And, and to hear Aaron Jones talk about, you know, he's going to check on other people before he checks on himself, you know, that's the kind of stuff that guys like Aaron Jones care about because that's how he is, right? Everybody has their different values. But I think at the end of the day, they, they it's not just a belief in the talent. They genuinely like him as a person. And you hear guys talk about, like, he's he's a leader and he, he's the kind of leader that people want to follow. So I'm just I'm just... I, I I love that. Anyways, some uh, not great news. We got uh, injury reports. Um, not officially official, but in other words, we, we don't know about the game or whatever. Christian Watson not out there. Romeo Dobbs still not at practice, kind of hoping we'd get to see him, but Watson was not practicing. Stokes is still on PUP. Also, Henry Pearson, Luke Tenuta, and David Bakhtiari, none of those are surprising. Pearson is is what he is. Tenuta, I thought, was on IR already. I don't know why we're even bringing that up. Bakhtiari, I don't think he's going to practice a ton. I don't read too much into that. I think some people worry, like, man, this is bad. He's still injured. He's still not back to healthy. I don't necessarily think it's about that. I, I think it's just they know that he's fragile. They don't want to push it. They 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 know that, you know, it's just it's a risk-reward thing. How much are we going to get from helping Bakhtiari practice compared to how much do we... Run the risk, and that and that's everybody. But but again, you got younger guys are more durable, and I think with Bakhtiari, they're just worried that it really could reaggravate the knee or cause a new issue or whatever the case is. They'd rather just not play him. So I don't read too much into that. Anyway, some guys returning to practice: Darnell Savage and Dontavian Wicks. Actually, I should be more excited about Savage, but I'm more excited about Wicks. I I mean, I just he's been great when he's been healthy, and I just I'd love to see him get an opportunity. And it sounds like we may need it. I don't know exactly. The status of Romeo Dobbs and Watson, but um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, also, it looks like Devondre Campbell. I think the expectation was always that he'd be back week one, but still, it's it's he's back out there. It's good to see him practicing. Uh, Rashawn Gary's also out there, which again is is good. We we know we already kind of know the status, right? He's going to be on a pitch count, but it's still just good to see. You know, I, you you don't want things like what happened with Christian Watson to happen, where all of a sudden, shoot, why aren't they practicing? And, and 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 also, you know, even with guys like David Bakhtiari, that you do the, the risk reward assessment. To know that he's healthy enough that they feel okay to just put him out there to practice is a is a good sign rather than saying, Yeah, let's just not push it. But anyways, it does look like the final word on this is that um, it's a hamstring injury for Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, and um no real insights into that aside from that. Matt Lafleur basically just said, "We're going to give him the week, and we'll see where we're at." Where we're at, which, you know, I mean, Matt has said things in the past that I think have been taken out of context. Just he's just saying things, and then we, people read too much into it. But it, it doesn't sound great. It sounds like something you say when the assumption is it's not going to be a thing, but we'll we'll just we'll give him the rest of the week, and we'll see how it goes. So I don't know, man. It's a pretty crappy situation, honestly. And uh, we're going to have to start. Contemplating the reality of a Green Bay Packers team that is not going to have its top two receivers, who are really the only two receivers that have any experience. I mean, you got Samore Ture, but that's about it. You got Ture, you got Reed, you got Wicks, and you got Heath. And that's it. Those are your four wide receivers going into it, along with uh, rookie Musgrave, rookie Craft, DeGuara, and then you've got your, your running backs. And that's going to be what we're doing. So. I'm not saying I know that's the case, but it, it's it's starting to feel that way a little bit. So, I don't know, man. We'll see how she goes. I'll say this, though. It's still a winnable game for for all the reasons that that we just said in terms of, look, we still got some guys. If Jordan Love is still playing at a, at a solid level, forget the wide receivers just for a second. Forget their capabilities. Musgrave is a weapon. Our running backs are a weapon. I think we're going to run the ball... A decent amount, especially if those guys are out. They're probably going to run it more than we were expecting to, and I don't think the Bears necessarily have the personnel to stop it. We're going to throw to the running backs a decent chunk, and that should hopefully lend some success. Um, And then you got, again, DeGuara. You've got Musgrave. You've got some options. But then on top of that, it's not as though the guys that we have are completely incompetent. Heath has shown some things. We'll see if that translates. Reed has shown some things. We'll see if that translates. Tay Wicks looks really impressive, although in very limited fashion because he seems like he's been hurt all the time. And I'll say this, if we beat the freaking Chicago Bears who have talked all this trash, and we don't even have our top two wide receivers who they're not even convinced are good to begin with. They're talking so much trash about how young this group is and there's no experience and there's nothing left. If you can't beat this team, I'm just going to tell you right now, first of all, all, all of the expectations should be on Chicago. Your quarterback's going into year freaking 3. This is year 2 of your system, year 3 of your quarterback. You brought in the big uh the, the the big wide receiver acquisition. You've overhauled the offensive line. You have rebuilt this offense to go in. This is year 1 for the Packers. This is year 1 for the majority of our pass catchers or year 2 for almost all of our pass catchers. And so, and and we're in your stadium. So, there, there's no reason, even if we have all our guys healthy, that the expectation shouldn't be that you win this game. Because if you can't beat us now, how are you going to beat us at the end of the year after we've gotten some opportunities to actually work together? This is game one for Jordan Love with Christian Watson and, jo- and Romeo Dobbs and everybody else. Now we don't have our top two wide receivers? Dude, if you don't beat the Packers, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to freaking bludgeon every single one of you on social media. You lost to a group of wide receivers who are still on their parents' health care. Okay? These guys can't rent a car. Absolute embarrassment. You had better beat the Packers. You had better bludgeon the Packers. That's the, that's the only hope you've got, because the Packers are only going to get better. They're going to get their wide receivers back, but on top of that, they're going to actually work together, and they're going to grow together. Which is what you've already done with everybody except DJ Moore. And from what I understand, Justin Fields and DJ Moore are already on the same page. They're rocking and rolling. They've got this this chemistry on and off the field. It's unbelievable. You wouldn't even believe it if you saw it. So regardless of the injury situation, the Chicago Bears had better hope that they beat the Green Bay Packers and and, and probably handily if you're going to have any hope of being better for a sustained period of time. If you lose this freaking game and we're missing even one of our top two wide receivers, it's game over. It is absolutely 100% game over. Let's take one more quick break. We'll be right back. All right, in the third hour, um, I figured I'd bring up the fact that uh, Mr. Bosa has cracked $30 million per year on average. He just got his mega contract off the edge. I want to say it's like 31 and a third million or something. I can't exactly remember. Just call it 31 million a year. And you say, well, it could be just funny money. The guarantees on that on that contract are really high. Out of the 170 million, 122 and a half is guaranteed. So it's it's a 25 million dollar minimum. I don't know uh, that. So the biggest number is guarantees. I think the second biggest number is uh, what they call what is it likely to be earned or something like that the question is the gap between the 122.5 and the 170 how much of that money is like there's no way he's ever going to see that and how much is like it's almost guaranteed unless he's out of the nfl he's going to make this money if you split it in half you got 146 and a quarter and you're sitting at 29.25 million so even if that that middle area that middle gray area is 50 he he ends up earning it's right at about thirty million. And actually I was way off. It's thirty-four million average, not thirty-one, which is a big freaking number. The reason it's worth mentioning is because Rashawn Gary is th- presumably on the cusp of getting a brand new contract. I know the Packers would love to get that done immediately. I would know Rashawn Gary would love to get that done immediately. It's just a question of trying to to figure things out. And I I do think it's going to be tough because he wants and, and whether or not they actually expect to get it, but I think the the pitch from the agent is essentially going to be, look, you know how this works, he's a top pass rusher, you know he's a top pass rusher, we want reset the market money. That's just how it goes, the next guy gets the next big contract. So we want, you know, 34 and a quarter or something. And the Packers are looking at it saying there's no chance in the world, I'm, I'm sorry he's amazing, but he's not Bosa and he's had injury issues had somebody on Twitter, I don't remember exactly who it was, but they essentially just broke it down into sacks and said, well, here's how much Bosa got divided by his sacks. And so if you multiply that out by Rashawn's sacks, he should be getting about $24 million as compared to the 34 from Bosa. Now, that's obviously not how that works. However, there is some value in looking at it that way. From the standpoint of, well, what what are some of the biggest differences? Well, one of them is that the Packers held him back early. So he wasn't able to get the cumulative stats while a lot of the um, purse snap stats are there. Whereas Bosa's been out there way more than Rashawn. But there is still an element of, okay, you were out part of it because of injury and that does work against you. So I know I think uh Clayton had responded to that. It was a snippet from either Spot track or over the Cap. I'm not entirely sure which one, but they they have his estimate at about twenty eight million I personally and i i tend to overvalue guys i mean I think a lot of times i I will tell you a number that I think kind of feels right and the Packers coming under and um i, I just i i'm I'm generally always happy with it. I think if we get sub 30 for Rashawn Gary, I'm happy because I feel like top edge rushers are getting 30 these days. And, and again, that's that's the the big number is not including, you know, subtracting out some of the funny money. But the, the, the big number is 30. And so if we if we get him for 28, I personally think that's a steal. I really do. Um, So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people, if it's up in the 30 range, are going to be upset because it's like, well. They said it should be 28 based on what he did, and you know we overpaid for him. I, I look, maybe it's just me being over optimistic about Rashawn, but I'm telling you, this guy is—he is on another level. He really is. He's um, the numbers he put up a couple years back are unprecedented. Like it, it doesn't happen it doesn't happen among guys even like miles garrett like they've never had a year like that those with those numbers you look at clay matthews never in his life was he ever like peak rashawn gary and um so i mean he he i it, it, that's my perspective on it a lot of the packers fan base i'm guessing it's part, partially the guys who never really liked him to begin with didn't really like the pick and probably There's a big overlap here and or guys who really just don't like Brian Gutekunst. And they love to crap on all his picks. That's my assumption. Who knows? Maybe maybe they just genuinely assess one of the premier pass rushers and one of the best players on our team as being bad because they just feel like being miserable. I don't know. Also, should probably mention the uh, first unofficial official depth chart. Nothing super massive here. I mean, it is kind of what we expected it to be. They do have the three different wide receiver spots broken down with um, Watson, Dobbs, Reed, and then... And again, I don't know that this is necessarily one-to-one, but Malik Heath is backing up Watson. Wicks is backing up Dobbs. Toure is bra- is backing up we- uh, Reed. I think if any of them are seen as sort of direct backups, it's probably Toure and Reed. But obviously the interesting aspect of this is, you know, again... Without Watson and Dobbs, you're looking at Reed, Ture, Wicks, and Heath. And it's likely, if Ture is largely a Reed backup, it's largely, potentially, depending on how much they want to play Duntavian Wicks, we're looking at Malik, Heath, Duntavian, Wicks, and Jaden Reed as our starting wide receivers. Good lord. Oh, boy. They also have Yash Nyman as David Bakhtiari's backup and Rasheed Walker as Zach Tom's backup. That seems slightly confusing considering... You would think Rashid would be sort of the left tackle backup. That's largely what he's done. We also assume Rashid is ahead of Yash Naiman, so you'd want him to be the left tackle. And you could say maybe this is reading too much into it, but, you know, there is a legitimate question about did Rashid Walker actually overtake Yash Naiman? You say, well, look at how the snap counts increase and how he got opportunities over Yash Naiman toward the end. True. Maybe that's them trying to give him more opportunities. Doesn't mean anything was definitive. I'm not saying this is what I think. I think it's just that we, we assume things that I don't know that we definitely know. But hopefully it doesn't matter. But it does make you wonder if Bakhtiari were to go out with an injury, are we going to see Yash Nyman trot in there? They also have, as the backups to our defensive line, Kenny Clark's backup is Colby Wooden, and then they have Carl Brooks as the backup for Slayton and Wyatt. Now again, maybe this is just because those are the only guys we got, so they just decided, I don't know, just put Carl Brooks twice. He was the most recent name I typed in. Let's just copy and paste it. The other way to look at this, though, is you got two defensive ends. You got Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt. You got two backups, Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks. What if TJ Slayton goes down? Who goes in? Carl Brooks, apparently. Again, if you want to read it strictly as they put it. Um, Off the edge, kind of an interesting thing here. Uh, Justin Hollins, again, has been sort of the number two with uh, Rashawn out, number three overall throughout this whole thing. Interestingly enough, Lucas Van Ness is the backup to Preston Smith, with Kingsley and Igbaré as the backup to Rashawn, leaving Justin Holland as the number uh, five and Brenton Cox as the number six. So, by my estimation, and and this is something to read into because you wouldn't make him third string just randomly. Um, he did fall, and I think it's great for Lucas Van Ness. I think it's great that he is. I mean, it, I, again, I knew that this was going to happen. Lucas Van Ness will be. Number three, and I, I genuinely hope that at some point in the near future he ends up being the number two ahead of Preston Smith. That may not happen this year, but I do hope that that becomes a thing. But that they've given him that spot over Justin Hollands is cool. And then Kingsley, I think it's just apparent what he was able to do in the preseason. Now I am relatively skeptical, as you know, that is my nature. Skeptical that you know we should read too much into that. Yes, he did look impressive. You know who else looked impressive? I know a guy who also was a fifth-round pick, just like Kingsley and Igbari. He was a fifth-round pick in 2020. He had 14 pressures in the preseason, more than any other human being in this offseason. Significantly better than Kingsley and Igbari. He had a 92.4 PFF grade, 92.3 pass rush grade. Do you know who it is? His name is Travis Gibson. The Bears had him on their team, and they waived him. He didn't even make the 53. He ended up getting picked up by the Tennessee Titans and is a backup over there. He's only ahead of one guy, and it is a uh, 2023 undrafted free agent, Caleb Murphy. If we're going to just look at the preseason and say he was super dominant, therefore we know he's going to be dominant, guys like Travis Gibson wouldn't be getting waived. Right? I'm just saying. It just, I, I feel like I'm, I'm up against a, a wall here with 95% of Packer fans saying, I saw it in the preseason, so it's real. Same goes for Malik Heath. Same goes for Valentine, Romeo Dobbs, Musgrave, Jaden Reed, Jordan Love, Emmanuel Wilson. Seeing it is better than not seeing it, but it doesn't mean it's automatically a thing. I don't know. We'll see. Fingers crossed. I'm really hopeful that everything that we saw from Kingsley and Igbari, who looked as good as we've ever seen him, will continue. Same with Carl Brooks. Same with Colby Wooden. Genuinely hope that it continues. But I, I I don't... I don't know. I have no idea. Otherwise, safety would be the only thing of interest. Savage and Ford, we know, are one and two. After that, you assume it's Jonathan Owens, and it is, and then Anthony Johnson, followed by Dallin Levitt and Zane Anderson. This is... this is, it's kind of interesting and cool to see. Nothing is super surprising because, again, Dallin Levitt is always going to be buried down there because they want him to just be a special teamer. He's not going to come in if stuff goes wrong. Zane Anderson, I, I couldn't tell you a single thing about him other than he's essentially the same boat as as uh, Dallin Lovett. The only thing I hope is that Anthony Johnson will eventually overtake Jonathan Owens because I, I I hate saying things so bluntly and, and rudely, but I don't know why he's on this football team. I really don't. He must do something right, man. Coaches coaches like him. He keeps getting jobs, and I mean, I I don't know. More power to him, I guess. And then uh, Keyshawn Nixon is our punt and kick returner, with Jaden Reed as the backup in both. So apparently Jaden didn't do quite enough to earn that punt return role, or at least to take it away from from Keyshawn. But he will be the backup, and there is always the opportunity for him to overtake that. Although at this point, with all the injuries, the last thing they need is for Jaden to get hurt, so I'm guessing they're just not even going to consider that right now. Last, last, last thing. Uh, the Green Bay Packers also published a dope sheet, so it's got some kind of fun... Uh, Fun little details. Couple of those details. First of all, as you may know, two winningest teams in NFL history, largely because of, you know, when they started, but shut up. Green Bay Packers was 790, Chicago Bears at 786. Suck it. Green Bay, and I alluded to this earlier, and and we don't have time to really dig into it today, and I didn't really mm, dig through the data yet anyways, and it's late, but I will do it. Green Bay is the only team in the NFL to open the season on the road each of the last five seasons. Again, I know for a fact that we're all very hung up on we didn't play in the preseason and all that kind of stuff. This is a major factor. This is also only apparently the fifth time that we've opened in Chicago. It kind of makes sense, but it's also kind of mind-blowing that it would only be the fifth time. It's only the second time in the history of the series that the teams have met in the season opener and the season finale. The other time was 2006. I feel like the NFL is trying to do this more often, so I, I think it'll you'll start to see it more often. It says, including a 2010 playoff victory at Chicago, Green Bay has won 24 of their last 29 meetings between the rivals at Soldier Field, including 12 of the last 13. That's unbelievable. Eight of the last 11 games between the two clubs at Soldier Field have been decided by single digits. That's noteworthy. Overall, the Packers won uh, have won eight straight games against the Bears and 12 of the last 13. I'll leave you with that. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.